Welcome back. I say welcome back. Welcome to the Toffee Blues podcast for the brand new season. Uh, we've decided to bring the podcast back every Wednesday. Uh, I think that's a decent amount of time uh, to digest what's happened at the weekend and then look ahead to the next. But I will not be on my own for the rest of the season. I will be joined by Ellis Nordhoff. Ellis, uh, how are you, mate? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, plenty of positives to take from Fulham. It kind of it felt weird walking away from the ground thinking that we'd actually lost that game. It felt ridiculous. I think it's a pretty rare feeling. I think as an Everton fan that we've really deserved. I mean, I don't know how what extra the XG was two point nine or something. It feels like that never really happens to us. But we may as well start there. We may as well start the first match of the season. Not too bad. No, it really wasn't, was it? I think a lot of people were a bit down after it because you never want to start the season with a loss here but I do think there was enough in that performance to give me a bit of hope that we are improving and I feel like the work in pre-season is paying off because we just looked a better side we created more chances as you've said with the expected goals and we know what the problem is don't we we need a striker and we need someone to put those chances away but at least we're creating them I suppose yeah no I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to get on to the fact that, that, that we need a striker but because Mopé ended up missing quite a few chances. I mean, we're not going to get to the abusive level of that Fulham fan. Obviously, that's always a disgrace. But it wasn't only him. I mean, Decore missed that sit there at the start. Uh, Patterson hit the bar. Dan Juma towards the end, which I was convinced was offside. I couldn't quite believe that, that it wasn't from the angle I was sat at. But yeah, I mean, we know that we need goals in the side. Normally, the issue is, uh, I feel with Mopé, I mean, we know that he doesn't really score. But also, he, he really kind of negatively affects the rest of the team balance, but I didn't, I didn't really see that. I thought, other than scoring, he played relatively well. I know that feels ridiculous to say for a striker that he didn't score but played relatively well. I thought at, at times he was decent. Obviously, he had that, that flash chance really early on, and it just it just felt like a day that was constantly going to get away from us. And the goal, pretty much just a lapse in concentration. It was straight after the substitute, wasn't it? And it just felt, it, well, we knew it was undeserved. It wasn't really how I expected Fulham to come out. They, I'd say they dominated the early early stages of the first half. I was feeling a bit nervous then. We couldn't seem to string a pass together, but then we definitely grew into it. And I thought we were the much stronger side in the second half, but it does come back to it, doesn't it, that we that we just can't score. Yeah, exactly. But what you're saying about Mope is absolutely right. I think he played well. I felt like he was the scapegoat because that's what he's become now. Fans will just turn on him if he misses one chance. If he misses a, a chance that is actually quite difficult, he'd probably get some stick for it. And Yes, he's not quite the striker we need and he's definitely not kind of the, the right fit to play up front for Everton, but it doesn't mean that that's his choice. And, you know, he's up there, he's doing his best. He was running around and he was attempting to link play when possible. And a lot of those chances were largely unlucky. I'd say that Leno had a fantastic game and he saved a few of them were point blank. And yes, some of them he should have put away, absolutely. But I wouldn't say that every chance that he had that game was his fault for missing. And like you say, it's a team game at the end of the day. And Decore also missed a big chance. And at the end of the day, we need to improve finishing collectively, not just on one player. I don't think we should pin it on one player. But talking about that goal, you just knew it was coming, didn't you? I felt like the shift kind of happened when they hit the post a few minutes earlier. And then Dan Juma came on and within a minute of him coming on, we, we conceded, which was devastating because you think, you, I started to see that shift where they come back into the game after a long spell without being in the game. And then I was thinking, right, Dan Juma's on now, the threat's on, hopefully we can get this goal and make sure they don't have another spell. But instead, straight away they scored and 
it's just that's what you have to pay for for missing your chances at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think that relatively it was a pretty solid team performance. I agree with what you said about Leno. I mean, you could see by the Fulham fans' reaction. I'm, I'm not sure if he won man of the match. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. But the Fulham fans' reaction at the end kind of told you everything. I thought other than that, I, I feel like there's not too much to go into. I mean, it's the first game of the season. For a first game of the season, I mean, we've seen some royal shockers in our times. So I, I didn't think it, it was bad at all. But the main the main pit that was obviously missing was Calvert Lewin. He wasn't even wasn't even in the squad. Dan Juma starting on the bench, and because because we went into the game with so much talk about transfers and who might be coming in, I think it was quite easy to forget that we hadn't actually made any of those signings yet, and still had a relatively thin and and weak squad without without many options off the bench. Obviously, Dan Juma was there, maybe wasn't fully fit. Of course, he he came off back in preseason with a with a slight injury. Obviously, wasn't trusted from the start and. Well, that led us um, into the training match today uh, at the time recording where we ended up being United. We did lose 3-0. They, of course, played last night. It was a, it was a fully, I think it was a B-team game, though. Uh, so, I mean, you're never going to read much into the into the result. But lacking Calvert-Lewin against Fulham, it, it's always going to hurt us, realistically. I mean, <laughs> despite the fact that it didn't have the knock-on effect that it does sometimes have not having Calvert-Lewin, I thought we still played relatively well. You can, you can definitely see the drop-off in performance when we don't have that focal point up front would he have scored a few of the chances that Mope missed I think missed I think I think absolutely but good to see him I think he ended up getting the the full 90 minutes today against United so surely if he's he's ready to come back we just need him back in straight away yeah we know how much we need him and we know that the struggles that he's had but this time it seems like Sean Dyche is being extremely patient with him which might frustrate fans and I know we were all disappointed when we saw that he wasn't even in the squad at the weekend but if this is the plan and if today is the culmination of the plan within pay, playing 90 minutes behind closed doors, then I hope that this time maybe they finally got it right. And we know that this manager isn't going to rush Calvert-Lewin back like others have. And hopefully the treatment that he's had since coming back, the rehab, and then going to Munich in summer, he looks leaner. And I'm hoping that once he is back, he stays back because we know how much we need him. We talk about it in every show ever, but we just need to take the pressure off him and we know how to do that, and that's by bringing in other strikers. And we've got one with Chimiti, and yes, he might not be fully ready yet, but the fact is he's in the mould of Calvert-Lewin. So even as a placeholder, it's better than having someone who completely doesn't fit the system, which isn't any disrespect to Mope, but you'd rather have someone who is more of a like-for-like. Like. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I think from a tactical perspective, we went into the game pretty similar as what we ended last season. I think Decore played that very similar role of almost the second striker, but look, the rest of midfield, I, th- I thought Onana played really well. I saw, I, I, you see, random bits of criticism about him on Twitter, which I never really understand. And of course, he's been linked with with that move to United, the r- rumored fee that we would accept is fifty million, which at the moment just seems like a ridiculously low amount. If I mean, Caicedo has gone for one hundred and fifteen. Uh, Lavia looks like he's about to be off for what forty eight fifty. So I think. If we are looking to sell Anana, which I, I doubt we are, I think we've at least got one season left in him. I wouldn't be surprised if he left this summer uh, if he has a if he has a really good season. And to be honest, if we turn over a healthy profit on him, you, you can't really argue with the club on that one. He was definitely brought in as one. To, well, first of all, to look to the future, but but to sell for a profit at the end of the day because that is what the club have, have, have suffered with so much for so long that we <laughs> we brought in these players on ridiculous contracts almost. I don't want to say it looks like what West Ham are doing at the moment. Of course, Harry Maguire has, well, I don't know if he's rejected them or maybe United just wanted him to stay. He's not off to West Ham. They've signed James Ward-Prowse. 
They're also looking at Scott McTominay. It feels like West Ham are having a very kind of Everton summer of what, 2016, 2017? Yeah, I think they are as well. And if we were linked with them kind of players, I think we'd be a bit concerned ourselves. And mm. them kind of players are not the players that I'd want Everton to be targeting. So I'm not too worried about West Ham. As for Onana, we can't sell him now. We know that. And he played really well at the weekend. I thought he was fantastic. He just... His passes have something different to them to other players. I feel like there's the quality on them that you can just tell you've got a good player there and it's his time to step up this season. He had a half-decent season last year, but of course he had to bet in. And if we remember, at Lille he only played 11 games the season before he joined us, so he needed that time to settle in. And it's quite clear, big clubs are looking at him because he's a good player. And for me now, we absolutely cannot sell him, but we have got the we've got the negotiating stance and we've got the power at the minute because... Yet there's a couple of weeks of the transfer window to go. We know how much we need him, so we demand what we want. 80 million from me or you know, having him because why should we sell him at this point? It's unlikely that we can really use that money to buy players in the space of what we'll end up being about a week. So for me, it's just keep him unless you get an astronomical offer that completely sorts out our financial problems for the next two, three years. Yeah, exactly, and especially with the with the current rumours that maybe the MSP deal has gone slightly cold. I mean, it's probably something we can get into. I don't. We'll get into it much today because there's not too much concrete on it. Sounds like Triple uh, Seven might have come back into it because Mashiri wants to sell Triple Seven. Simply not an organisation we want the club to sell to. I mean, I can't remember what club it is that they own in the Bundesliga, but they seem to protest them every week. They own quite a few clubs, and but. We we don't want to dwell on that. Just to stick back on Onana, yeah, I think he played well. And if it is that, well, hopefully he does stay this season because I don't trust us even if we get an astronomical amount of money to be able to replace him that quick. I, I don't know if the club will. Sorry, I highly doubt the club will have the replacement lined up like that. I can see, as I said, I can see him leaving next summer, which if we turn over a good profit on him, you can't argue with. But at this point in the window, with all the links to United, it, it feels unlikely to me and it feels like if we did end up then selling them kind of this week, next week for fifty million, it would it, it would real it would leave a real sour taste because we won't replace him quickly enough. It seems like we need this season, as he said last season. He he had his betting in time. He he barely played much professional football, but he looked he looked sharp. Uh, he looked sharp on Saturday. I thought, in, well, I think he will have a good season. I, I think I wouldn't say he necessarily needs a good season in the sense that you know players are you know the fans are on his back but needs a good season in the sense that it's his second season now at the club he is better than he's been here for a year he's played a full season of premier league football that you we, we, we want him seen we want to see him developing into the player that, that we know he can be this this year yeah and you'd hope that there's not the immense amount of pressure on him that there was last season because obviously James Garner had that terrible back injury and You'd have expected he would have been there for the whole of the season, but with Garner's injury, it meant that there was so much pressure on Onana to deliver in his first season. And to an extent, he did. He played very well at times, not so well at other times. But now, having James Garner there, he's not the only young midfielder coming through and looking really good as well. So hopefully they can kind of interchange. And when one of them needs time out of the limelight, then the other one can step in. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very glad that you mentioned James Garner there because it brings me on very nicely to the fact that we're still playing him on the right on the right side of, uh, of midfield because we haven't... Jack Harrison's just come in, but he's not going to be available for, for quite a while. We'll get on to Jack Harrison, but just, just to focus on Garner at right mid, I, I feel bad for him. It's clearly not his exact position and it, it makes me worried when you see young players kind of put about where, where they're needed in the, in the team because it's not letting them develop into... 
into the proper position that they're made of. And then if you if you throw them about, they're never going to fully develop. And I hope it's one that the club can can deal with quickly because as as well as I think he's done and as, as capable as I think he is on the right midfield, it obviously it, he's never going to take anyone on. He's never going to take on a fullback and beat them and, and dribble past them. He's obviously going to be much better in the central midfield. And I hope we don't limit him too much because... We, we simply kind of can't afford to. He was obviously brought in to play that midfield role, potentially be the kind of the next step after after Garner Gay leaves. I think played relatively well on the right mid, but it just it takes a dimension off of so much and it's also stunting his development. Yeah, you're almost playing with a wide midfielder then, aren't you? You know that he's not going to take a player on and like explosively charge past him like a winger would, for example. But that's not his job. We know that's not his job. And you're exactly right when you say about how you might stunt his growth because I'd be worried about that for him. He's played right back now for us. He's played on the right wing. England liked him at right back, so he played right back for England. And young players do need that bit of consistency. I feel like Ben Godfrey fell victim to it a bit by playing right back, left back, centre back. And now you look at Godfrey and think he's probably not quite got to where we'd have expected him to, but it's not all of his own doing because, of course, he is a centre back and he's not actually had much time at centre back. So hopefully for James Garner, when we get the required reinforcements in, he won't have to play on the right and he will just be that, hopefully, the heir to Idrissa Garner Gay's throne. And for now, playing hopefully at least 25 games appearance-wise this season and really getting involved in offering us that that difference that he offers because he's not like our other midfielders. You know, he's he's very calm on the ball. He's very composed and I like him as a player and I think he's a very neat and tidy player, isn't he? He's not exactly what Idrissa Garner Gay is, absolutely not. And he's also far from what Onana is, not in a bad way. They're just different players and I suppose it's good to have different types of midfielders in your team. Yeah, and it's it's good for a young player to be to be versatile, don't get me wrong, because I mean, it, it's definitely helped us because of the, the poor recruitment we've made. Another player who's fairly versatile is Ashley Young. We may as well slightly review his performance. I think that it's going to be tricky to talk about Ashley Young this season, this season because we know what we signed him for. We know that he does a job. He was he was favoured to Mikalenko. Uh, there's not too much to say about Ashley Young other than, yeah, pretty good. Did the job that we asked of him. Yeah, the thing with Ashley Young for me is I trust him. I He was on my side in the first half and I was watching closely and I, I feel like He's one of those players that you can just not worry about, whereas sometimes when Mikalenko's there, you do have a bit of a worry. And Ashley Young's experienced. He knows what he's doing. He made a couple of silly fouls, but he's one of those players that when he gets hold of the ball, he seems to make the clever pass and the clever route out of danger. So having him there reassures me a bit. And I do think he'll play quite a lot of games this year, probably a lot more than we first would envisage. But I do think he'll play quite a lot. And I think it'll end up being a shrewd signing, albeit not the most exciting. Yeah, and you could tell what Fulham thought of it as well because in the in the first kind of their 20, 25 minutes where they were on top, they were always going down the the James Patterson and, and James Garner side, not James Patterson, Nathan Patterson uh, and James Garner side. With and I mean to be fair, William was having a one toast every single time. I mean, I hope that I hope the Patterson develops this season. I think he, if we're being honest, he has struggled since he came in. Uh, I think Dice didn't really fancy him towards the back end of last season. He kept using Coleman, Coleman as we know, is not getting any younger. We kind of know the level that he's he's going to be at now. It's not overwhelming. And <clears throat> Patterson came in with, I wouldn't say a lot of fanfare, but he was obviously fancied at Rangers. He got, he didn't start over Tavernier, but no one's going to start over Tavernier at Rangers, let's be honest. And that that James Garner and Nathan Patterson right-hand side, you kind of just 
you feel bad for them. He needs to, I mean, for, for Garner, it needs to be playing in his actual position. He's he's doing well out there. But for Patterson, he needs a proper right midfielder in front of him as well that, it, that he can really play off because Patterson's maybe looking like one of those that might just get away from us, which I, it feels bad to say we're one game into the season, so I'm not, I'm not going to get carried away. I really hope he does do well, but needs to kind of really cement his place in the start lineup because it almost feels that as soon as Coleman's properly fit again, that he'll be straight back in. It will be interesting to see with that because, of course, Coleman's a year on and he was so good for us last season that you can't really see why Coleman wouldn't end up slotting back in. But Nathan Patterson struggled, but we also have to remember that he is a young lad and another player before he joined Everton hadn't played that much professional football. And there's a lot to like about him, I think. He's he's bright, isn't he? He's passionate and he's got pace, of course. I'm looking for that final delivery now because... He often gets like by the byline and you're hoping for him to drill a, a really good quality low pass. And some of his uh, square balls across the box haven't really been up to it. But I'm rooting for Nathan Patterson. I feel like he, he is an Everton player, isn't he? When you watch him, he's got that kind of Scottish passion that we do love in players and we have done in the past with the likes of Stephen Naismith. But there's a long way to go and he is a young defender and you'd hope that after Coleman retires or maybe even before then, we have another right back in there to kind of help him out a bit but of course the priority is not right back at the minute yeah no that is it is far from it and I hope he does develop into a really good player because he's obviously got the potential he's kind of he's got no one else to really challenge him at the moment he's I mean Coleman's going to be still there on the sidelines but no no one's really going to be there to Ashley Young can play on the right but because obviously he doesn't fancy Mikalenko as to be honest, I, I don't really either. I think Ashley Young definitely is the right option on the left-hand side. You, we're not going to see much of a challenge on the right. And as we mentioned, Ben Godfrey just hasn't really kicked on. He has slightly featured at right-back. We've seen Mason Holgate feature at right-back. He just seems to be out of the picture completely. Been, I mean, there's been so many rumours about him leaving on loan, which kind of baffles me that it hasn't happened so far. I mean, we've had the whole transfer window. Seems like a relatively straightforward deal. I know that I think it was Sky were reporting that Southampton were interested in him, uh, but there, there was a gap in how much they wanted to pay of his wages. But if Holgate's going out the door, I mean, I, it's hard to say because we we can't really afford to just focus on a right back. But I don't know how long it will be until Coleman's fit again, and I, I want to see Patterson develop properly and not kind of be forced into it without kind of the the, the chance to grow. But I think we've probably just about spoken about Fulham uh, for long enough there. And of course, we've got Villa coming up this weekend. But before we get on to playing Aston Villa, let's talk about competing with Aston Villa in the transfer market because we have now signed Jack Harrison on loan, which felt like one of the most Everton days in, in transfer history. It's hard to really figure out what was going on there. I think there was a lot of it coming from Fabrizio Romano. That I mean, people were saying that he was off. People were saying that He's, he's Unai Emery's got on the phone. He's decided to go for a medical in Birmingham, and that's that. At the end, but then Ornstein rocks up later on in the night, announces that he's coming to Everton. Jack Harrison has now signed on loan for Everton. What's your initial reaction to that, and how were you feeling the other day? I'm very pleased because I was stressed on that day because it started with a rumor that we hadn't really heard any progression of until that day we knew that he was a target and we knew that we'd been linked earlier in the window but it had really gone quiet and then it accelerated on this day and it's full of drama it was like a soap opera wasn't it? he had no idea what was going on which is usually the case when journalists are giving stories from different ends and you don't fully know what's going on but the thing with jack harrison for me he's just the right fit for sean dyche's team he's work he had he's he works hard He's a very good player, I think, as well. His left foot is fantastic. And he got 12 goals and assists last year combined. And I think 
that's a total that's better than what we've got right now. And he's a player that can still get a little bit better. He's probably reaching his prime years now. And yes, he's injured. Of course, we know that. And a lot of people have complained at the fact that he's injured. But I think that the length of the injury might have just helped us get him over the line there because Villa need an instant replacement for Buendia who's injured. So I think that he might have chose us just because Villa decided against him because of the injury. That seems to be what we're hearing at the minute. But for me, he's the right fit for Deitch team. It's a wide player, which we need. And he's quite similar to McNeil in the sense that he's going to be a grafter. And with the Sean Deitch system, you need 11 men all pulling in the same direction. And he'll be one of those. Yeah, it, it was one of those that it all just kind of felt a bit too sensible from Everton, which you, which you don't regularly see. Of course, various Leeds players have left on loan. They've obviously got these loan clauses in their contracts, which is absolutely shafted them now. They've gone down to the Championship. I mean, the, the squad's in disarray now. I think they've had five or six players leave on loan that if, I mean, if they got relegated, then they decided that they'd be allowed to leave on loan, which I just think is a bit of a mental thing for a club to decide to do, really, because it's not like they were looking safe at all. It was obviously a gamble. They, they turned down 20 million from Leicester for Harrison in January, managed to get him to sign a new contract, puts this relegation clause in when they're two points above the drop zone. So it all just feels a bit bizarre for them. I mean, I'm not complaining. I think we've, I think we've done really well there. It just feels like a really sensible move. Uh, yeah, so it does seem like he's going to be out for, for five to, to six weeks, which might kind of coincide with the international break, so we might not get the full effects of it. And, and Villa obviously needed that, that quick replacement for Buendia, and it looks like they're, they're sealing that loan deal for, for Zaniolo now from Galatasaray, which is maybe one of the strangest moves in last summer that, that went under the radar that he was coming to the Premier League. He was obviously frozen out in Italy, but he wasn't going to get any more games. Opted for Galatasaray, he's now off to Villa, which... We'll see if that's a sensible signing, but Leeds have clearly just hamstrung themselves really with these ridiculous loan clauses uh, in the contracts. And if you are trying to mount a promotion bid back to the Premier League, sending out all your best players on loan isn't ideal. But if some of your best players are going on strike, that, that's definitely not going to help either. Well, yeah, we know all about that now, don't we? Thanks to uh, Wilfred Nonto. So he's the man on strike for Leeds. Like you say, the loan thing is disastrous. I don't know what their plan was there because the value that they could have had on the players they're losing. And Wilfred Nunter is one of the only ones who hasn't got that loan clause, but now he's the one who's just trying to force his way out. And I don't agree with it fully. If it was our player, we'd be really disappointed, wouldn't we? But he wants to come to Everton, so do what you want, Wilfred. Because if you want to come to Everton, then I don't mind. So Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, you can't I'd really argue with it, really. I mean, you know, if you don't get relegated, you don't end up in these situations. So, if you, I mean, this will come back to bite me in, in, in a year or so when, when we're looking ahead to the championship next year. No, but no, none no, of that. No, no, not to... The, the situation seems to be getting a bit ridiculous now, to be honest. I mean, I don't fully agree with players striking. If it's for Everton, though, you kind of got to look past it. You kind of don't mind it. I know people are worried that if he came to Everton, he might just do the same to us. But if we can get good value out of it, it's this paper talk is going on and on and on. It feels like another Mohamed Kudus from, was it last summer? They summer before, I can't remember now. And today last the rumour seems to be that we've had 20 mil rejected. I think we went in with 16 initially. Now 20 is rejected. It looks like they're holding out for 25. But now all of a sudden, of course, because the deal's gone on for so long, somebody else is interested. Spurs have now got a bit of money to throw about. Now Harry Kane has lost. Uh, lost now Harry Kane has left uh, and it looks like potentially they're going to be coming in for him so what, what do we make of Nonto now I mean I'd love to see him at Everton don't get me wrong I think I think he would be a really good sign and if it's getting towards 25 million it, it might be getting a bit daft uh, he obviously only has had that one season of Premier League football and he, he didn't play all year and if Spurs are now going to come in for him as well I mean where where, where do we find ourselves now in this situation 
Well, to start with, I think the Spurs' interest must be agent talk because they've already signed players. They've already got Mana Solomon, haven't they, as well, who's kind of their bench winger at the minute. So I don't think they need Wilfred Nonto, and I really hope that they're not interested because that would throw a spanner in the works. But he's got to make a decision that Arnold Danjuma did, and Danjuma made that decision, went to Tottenham and didn't play. So if I were Wilfred Nonto, I'd be coming to Finch Farm. So I'd love to have him, though, absolutely. He's an exciting player. He's not quite as finished as everyone makes out he's not fully ready yet of course he's 19 we do have to remember that he's 19 and that's going to be why we're going to have four wingers and I think it's he might not play every game but he'll develop and we hopefully aren't going to rely on his every touch and every strike because he's not going to come in and get 15 goals in his first season but he's such a talent he's so exciting he's explosive he's pacey and now for me with the new added time rule of the Premier League Having those subs is going to be so important. So whether he starts or whether he's a substitute, he's going to make an impact. And especially if you've got tired defenders and there's 10 minutes of added time, you don't want to see Wilfred Nonto warming up, do you? So for me, it'd be a great signing and one that you'd almost certainly profit on. Yeah, it does seem like that. Well, they signed him for five million from Zurich last year. They look like they're going to turn a pretty immediate profit on him. And if he does fulfil that potential, which we have seen, I mean, he's already in the Italian national setup. That's that's sort of you, you simply can't argue with it in a player for especially so young. Uh, but I feel like we might end up doing this uh, every single week. It might then this this window might close. We might then talk about it going into January and going beyond. Look, the player wants to leave. The Leeds fans have made it quite clear that they don't want him to stay. Uh, I think that, uh, that, of course, that that statement came out from Leeds, which I thought was a bit ridiculous that he wasn't for sale because you've got a player on strike. If a club comes in and for, with enough money for him, of course he's for sale. Of course, they're not going to not sell him. Uh, but it looks like a deal that we knew it would ramble on for the, basically the entire transfer window. Maybe I didn't expect it to ramble on uh, this late. There, there is only a couple of weeks left now. But if we, well, I say if we sign Harrison, we have signed Harrison. If we get Nonto as well, I'm very comfortable with the with wing positions for the rest, well, the wing depth for the rest of the year. We've got to sign another striker, though. I mean, I know Chimiti's come in, but he's probably more raw than when we brought Unana in last year. It feels like he simply cannot be the only other option um, alongside Mope if, if Calvert-Lewin's injured for the rest of the year. No, we can't. And we can't pin all that on the young lad Chimiti as well. Hopefully he comes in and he's a player who gets minutes off the bench and maybe starts a few games. And as I said earlier, it's great that he fits the profile of Dominic Carvert-Lewin and he is that tall player who can kind of be in a similar mould to Carvert-Lewin. But for me, the most important transfer we make this window is the next one, the striker. And we have to get it right. We have to get a striker that when Dominic Carvert-Lewin isn't fit, is an adequate replacement. And for me, I'm looking at Beto at the minute. That seems to be the one that there's murmurs about it. There's nothing concrete just yet, but having someone like that in who is a similar profile to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, slightly different in some senses, but he's a bit of a bully and he's agile as well, which is good to know. And of course he's in the Serie A, so that's a risk. So you could maybe look at somebody else like Pat Sandaka, but that, that striker we have to make the right decision on because that can really decide where our season goes. Because if Calvert-Lewin gets injured, then where do we look then? Are we really going to rely on a young 19-year-old, which would be so unfair in my eyes? Yeah, and I think we just kind of end up having this conversation again in January and, and then again next summer. But, I mean, there's a, I don't know about you, but it's getting to the point now in this window, there's only so much transfer talk I can, I can really take before. I'm, I'm just getting a bit sick of it, really. I hope the club managed to seal this deal for Nonto. Uh, I really do. He looks like a player with a lot of promise. But if we are, 
if this is just going to keep lumbering on, if we don't end up signing a striker, it, it's going to kind of leave a bit of a sour taste in the mouth from the window, which has been relatively good so far. I think Dan Juma and Harrison on loan is just, on loans are really good deals. I think bringing Ashley Young in was a really good move. Chimiti's one for the future. If we could just get over the line, I think we've had a fantastic window. If we don't sign that other striker, if we don't get another winger, really, because we're still lacking depth over there, but I think it, the, the transfer window might just be a bit underwhelming for everyone. I think we will. I've no doubt that we do sign this striker because we know how much we need it. And You've got I no hope... doubt that Everton will sign a striker. That's, that's a bullet I, I believe we will because I feel like it's so needed and it's so clear that I think it's just a case of trying to find the right deal for now. And if we have to pull the trigger on someone late on, I'm sure they have options that they can just turn straight to. And I do think we will get our man eventually. Hopefully the top choice, maybe the second, but we need that striker and they know that we will get one. We will get one. That's I'm putting my neck on the line there. I'm sure we will. We have to. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a that is a remarkably ambitious claim that I will hold you to uh, in a couple of weeks when, when we revisit this. I think that'll be interesting. But that is enough for Transfer Talk today. We do have one final matter to address, and that is Aston Villa at the weekend. Our second Premier League game is coming up. It's hard to really kind of dive into it that much because we don't know what the team news is. We obviously haven't had the press conference recording on Tuesday. It looks like following this this preseason, it's not preseason, is it? I mean, the season's already started, but it kind of is a preseason friendly, uh, a friendly behind closed doors for fitness. That Cavalier should be fit, Dan Juma should be fit. We should have a much stronger lineup now. So uh, we kind of look ahead to the lineup. What, what what are you changing that maybe didn't quite work out on uh, on Saturday? Well, I think it'll be quite a similar side to what was played on Saturday. And one thing we need to make sure we do is just pack out the midfield. I think it's probably going to be the same again with uh, Garner and Iwobi on the wings, which isn't ideal, but hopefully that just brings us that defensive ability because I think it's going to be a completely different performance to what we got against Fulham. It's going to have to be a bit more defensive, a bit more organised. And to be fair, I'd take a point right now, but I've been given a little bit of hope by Aston Villa getting absolutely thrashed by Newcastle at the weekend. I think that's kind of given me a tiny glimmer to think that we may be able to get a point or something. I'm actually heading down there and I, I can't wait still because it's the first away game of the season, but I'm not full of hope because we know how good Aston Villa can be and we know how high everyone's hopes are them for them this season. But if we remain organised, we've got points at bigger places than Villa Park before. So, Yeah, uh, exactly. I think following the fuller performance, I'm, I'm vaguely confident. Of course, that was at home. We know what our away form was like. I mean, we know what our home form was like last season. So, it's, I mean, it's so hard to tell. Uh, going into the new year, I'm extremely jealous that you are heading down to Villa Park. But, well, Calvert-Lewin has to be straight in. If he's fit, I think it would be a relatively similar lineup. Though, like you said, I think we'll probably see Garner on the right again because Dice fancies him there. We saw him there towards the end of last season. Uh, we saw him there against Fulham. And you made a, a fairly bold prediction that we are going to get a striker before the end of the window. But have you got any, any bold score predictions? I'm I'm going to have to be not very bold and I'm going to say 1-1. I think they'll probably take the lead and we'll stay in the game like we do under Daesh and we'll get a point because we were unbeaten for a lot of the end of the season away from home and I feel like we can start like that again and hopefully this can banish all of our away demons this season and actually be a bit better on the road. What about you? I'm going to go for a 1-0 win, I think. Uh, I don't know why. I think I'm, I'm very confident. To be honest, I, I don't think... I mean, I know they got pumped by Newcastle, but I don't even think they played that terribly. I think they're still a very good side. I know that I think the scoreline was fairly harsh on them. I think once Newcastle kind of got going and they got into that gear in the second half, the, the game was kind of away from them. But they're still a very strong side. 
I, I just want to see us just be solid away from home, even if we're picking up just a point here and there. I don't mean here and there, but if we, as long as you don't, just don't lose. Effectively, is kind of the motto for this season, and that's kind of what Dyche is known for. He's setting up sides that if you can't win, don't lose, take the point. Saying that, I did just predict this to, to, to win one 0 but I can just see it being one of those games. I think there'll be pressure on them. It's their first home game of the season, and there's a lot of expectation on them. Of course, they've got Europe now this season. They've they've had a fairly decent window, and I think that. There will be pressure on them uh, from their fans, definitely, because all of a sudden they've got that massive weight of expectation that maybe they didn't have last season. They certainly did at the start and then it kind of faded away until Emery came back in and it was all just positivity. But now that they've shown they can done it, and now they've shown they can do it even, uh, it, it feels like there's going to be way more pressure on them uh, going into this year. Yeah, because they've recruited brilliantly and I'm sure that people are expecting them to do well, not only in the league, but also in Europe. Moussa Diaby massively impressed me against Newcastle. Scored a goal, but also he's such a threat, isn't he? And I think we might struggle to deal with him, but hopefully our structure will ensure that he's dealt with because when you compare him one-to-one with our defenders, you'd be a bit worried. But I feel like as a collective, Dyche will have them set up so the structure will be right. And to get that win would be absolutely huge because we know how important the first win always is. To get that win on the board, it kind of, it, it calms all the nerves, doesn't it? Because the longer you go without a win, the more the media narrative builds and builds that you've still not got your win. So I feel like we just need to get that. And if it's away from home, that's a huge bonus because then you've got your away win as well. And it's kind of where you wouldn't expect it to. So I hope you're right, not me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think DRB looks like such a threat, but we knew that as soon as they signed him. We knew how ridiculously good of a signing that was. And I think that, hopefully we can take advantage of it because it does get to the point there if you're two games in you've lost both games it's not the end of the world you know that but all of a sudden that, that the pressure for the first win definitely does does start building up and up and we don't we don't need that pressure we don't want that pressure I'm sure Dice doesn't want that pressure and just feels like if we could just put in a solid performance if we could just get if we doesn't even nick a 1-0 win I think it'll just make everyone feel much better about the season but I think that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, this week's podcast, the first podcast of the year. So, Alice, very exciting season ahead. How are we feeling? I'm feeling okay. I'm, I just want the transfer window to be over now because many people have said it in the past, but these first few games doesn't fully feel like the season's got going yet. I want the window to be closed, the international break over, and then we can look at our squad and go, right, we're ready now for this and we hopefully have a good season. What about you? Yeah, I'm excited after Fulham. I know it seems ridiculous coming off a one 0 loss at home, but I'm excited. We I think we looked really good. If we can just convert those chances, if we can create as many chances as that going forwards, then we are inevitably going to win games because you can't make that many chances. I mean, ask Brighton that for a from a couple of seasons ago if you can make that many chances and not score. But no, I think I think I'm confident. I'm, I feel much better that we played well, at least we didn't lose and just played rubbish because that would, I think we, we wouldn't be feeling particularly great going at the Villa game, but I think we both seem uh, relatively confident. But before we go, uh, just a, a quick word on Michael Jones, obviously the, the tragic loss of him at Bramley Ball Dock. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you agree with this, Ellis, but I mean, all, our, all of our thoughts are with his family and friends of what really is a tragic loss. Oh, totally. It's completely heartbreaking what's happened to him. It's horrendous for, for any family to go through that. Yeah, no, uh, very sad, and our, and our thoughts definitely are with them. But that pretty much brings us to the end of our first podcast of the season. Thank you all very much for listening or, or watching. Uh, Ellis, thank you very much uh, for joining me. Uh, let's see, going into the rest of the season, uh, what we can do. Let's hope we've got 
38 more of these to come. So, well, 37 more of these to come, sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, so let's uh, let's look ahead to the rest of the season. Feeling pretty good. Let's just get that. Let's just get that first win on the board against Villa. So thank you all very much for listening and we will see you next week.